for joining us. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and energize your faith. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today, we're going to be finishing up the Scarlet Line. Pastor will be explaining how in the Old Testament, we see that they sacrificed a lamb once a year, but Jesus paid that ultimate sacrifice once and for all. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb, and the power of His blood washes our sins away every day. Let's take a look at today's message, The Cross and the Blood. We're continuing to talk about the blood. In fact, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to do two more messages about the blood. But uh, just kind of a little refresher, Romans 3, verse 25. Whom God has set forth as a propitiation by faith in His blood. So we need to have faith in Jesus' blood. Now the Bible says he becomes our propitiation. Other translations say sacrifice or mercy seat through faith in his blood. Now because faith is largely dependent on knowledge, you cannot believe what you do not know. And so we need to have faith in the blood. Now Andrew Murray mentions that the greatest benefits of the blood, most people miss them because they have no knowledge of them. And they're not believing for the greatest benefits that the blood of Jesus brings to us. 1 Peter 1, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed, literally purchased back, it's from our fallen condition that happened to us through Adam, with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct or lifestyle received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. So you were redeemed. You were bought back from the state that Adam and Eve fell into, which is a, was a state in which they were under the dominion of Satan, you were bought back from that position by the precious blood of Christ. Now, the reason it's so precious, we can find it in several places, but my favorite is definitely Acts 20, 28. It says, take heed to yourself and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So Jesus' blood was God's blood. And the reason that he could redeem humanity was because his blood was not just a natural human blood. The blood that ran in his veins was divine blood. And the power of the blood is in the worth of the life. The power of the blood is in the worth of the life. And it was the life of the precious Son of God. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. And all through what in our Bibles we refer to the Old Testament, the Jewish Scriptures, we would find that they would be making sacrifices to cover their sin. You sinned, you brought a sacrifice to the priest. 
He examined the sacrifice. You put your hands on the sacrifice. You transferred your guilt to that sacrifice. And that sacrifice was offered for, for your atonement. Now, again, the priest examined the sacrifice. And if the sacrifice was accepted, you were accepted. Now, all through the Old Testament, that lamb is being slain. That, that, that substitute, that type of Jesus. So the New Testament says that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And Jesus' blood was the power, and it was the power of divine life dwelling and working inside of his blood. Right? It is almighty, and it is unceasing in its power. In Hebrews 11 and 20, it says, Now may the God of peace who brought our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus was through the blood. Without the shedding of his blood, perfect blood, there could not have been resurrection. Right? And Jesus was raised through because of the blood. Now, Jesus, but he's on the cross. He's at the whipping post. His blood is being shed, but his blood did just not fall to the ground in their decay. In fact, in Acts 2, verse 31, it says, Foreseeing this, speaking of David, King David, who was not just a king, who was a prophet, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul would not be left in Hades or in hell. Now, I think it was last week, week before, that we talked about what happened, a sum of what happened, from the cross to the throne. Right? The last time we kind of see Jesus is on that cross. And then we see him after the resurrection. But things took place in between the cross and the resurrection. One of those things is mentioned here in this verse. It says that his soul was not left in Hades, or hell. I remember the Apostles' Creed. He descended into hell. Right? Uh, Jesus went to the place of departed spirits. Down there, he announced what had taken place. Down there, he found the devil. He knocked him down. He put his foot on his head. Because way back in Genesis chapter 3:15, it said, The seed of the woman will crush your head. And he took the keys of death and of Hades. And he arose and said, I'm he who was dead, but I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys. I have the victory. I have defeated the enemy. All right. His soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. That blood somehow was collected. The Bible does not say ex explicitly exactly how that happened. But it does say this in Hebrews 9, 11. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come. Under the Jewish scriptures, the high priest one time a year, only once, and the Bible says never without blood, would go in where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God dwelt, and he would put blood on that mercy street, sprinkle it seven times. But the next year he'd have to go back again, and the next year he'd have to go back again, and the next year, and the next. Because the blood of a bull, or a goat, or a calf, or a lamb, it could not take away blood, 
take away sin. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come with a greater, more terrific, perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. In the Old Testament, he went into the tabernacle that either Moses had built or Solomon had built or Zerubbabel had built and ultimately the one that Herod built. But Jesus went into the more perfect one. He went into the tabernacle that's in heaven. And the one on earth was a copy of what God has in heaven, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Other translations say an everlasting release. So Jesus took his blood into heaven. And in heaven, he put his blood on the mercy seat. But the Bible tells us that the resurrection is connected to the blood. Jesus' resurrection was through the blood of the eternal, everlasting covenant. And your resurrection and mine is also connected to that blood. Now, the reason there is a resurrection, when Jesus arose, he did not just arise as a spirit. He rose in a physical body. He said to his disciples, come and touch me. And they said, what do you have to eat? They gave him some honeycomb and they gave him a fish and he ate it. It was a physical body because God redeemed you spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, this was so much, how can we say, it seemed more important. And it really is important. And it was emphasized so much more. In uh, 300, was in 313 when Constantine becomes a Christian. His mother, Helena, was a Christian way before that. But if you look at the year 300 in the Roman Empire, 1% of people, listen, 1% of people were buried. 99% were cremated. By the year 400, 99% of people were buried. And 1% were cremated. You say, what was the difference? The gospel was the difference. Because the Bible says to sow the body looking to the resurrection. How many remember the, 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 the gospel is Jesus' death? What next? Burial and resurrection. When Moses died, God didn't burn him. The Bible says God buried him. That's God's picture. That's God's picture. When Stephen died in the New Testament, said godly men made mourned over him and buried him. Right? So it's an act of faith. They would bury their dead. Right? So Jesus' blood brings about the resurrection. Now, by the way, if you get burned in a fire, if you get eaten by a shark, how many know it's not a problem? <laughs> I mean, the God who said, let there be light, and this universe leaped into existence is not going to have any trouble taking care of making another one of you. I don't know if he's got a cell and he's going to clone you, what he's going to do. I don't know. But I know he's not going to have any problems. All right. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who've fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Right. See, we understand that death is not the end. In fact, for a Christian, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right? And uh, you may think, well, what am I going to be, kind of like Casper the Friendly Ghost or something? Uh, not at all. Not at all. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
Paul makes mention. He says, I know a man in Christ, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, was caught up to the third heaven. Right? Now, in a, in a Jewish mindset, by the way, and you, gotta, you, you, have, you can't think like a Dutch person and understand the Bible. <laughs> Just letting you know. All right? Now, don't give me a letter. I'm Dutch. I can do that. Okay. So, so in a Jewish mindset, there's three heavens. One, the atmosphere, birds and airplanes flying around. Okay. Second heaven, we call outer space. It says the heavens declare the glory of God. Right? That's where the stars are. We would call our, our galaxies and the universe. But the third heaven is a place where God lives. And Paul said, I went there. And he said, I don't know if I took my body or not. God knows. And he said, but I know I went. And then he says it again. I don't know if I took my body or if I left it at home. Now, how many of you, if you went to Costco and left your body home, you'd think you'd miss it? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just you, you know, we laugh about that. But, but uh, it, looking, and I can't take time to really, really get deep into this. But if you look in, look in Luke chapter 16, the Bible talks about people that are buried. And they lift up their eyes. And they say, put this finger in water and put it on my tongue. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, there's a natural body. But there's a spiritual body. Your spirit has a body. Looks like you. Looks like you. Two hands, two eyes, two ears, nose, legs. There's a natural body. There's a spiritual body. Right. Now, to be absent from this body, you put it in a grave, look into the resurrection, right? In fact, in the United States, every time we bury somebody, listen, you go to any cemetery, right, and you will find everybody's feet are facing east and their head is facing the west. Because the Bible says Jesus will turn in the eastern sky and you pop up and go, hey, Jesus, here I am. <laughs> Literally. Literally. People used to know that. All right. Oh, we're just getting started here. Okay. He don't want you to sorrow as others. You know, uh, it, it's amazing when you don't have hope. I, I have literally seen people climb into caskets and shake the dead person, trying to bring them back because they have no hope, because they don't understand that death is not the end. All right? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so will God bring with him those who sleep or those who have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will no, by no means proceed or go ahead of or be raised before those who are asleep or who die. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those people that are believers, that have died in the Lord, their body will rise first. Now, they're already with the Lord. Their spirit, their soul is with the Lord. But it's going to be reunited to their body. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Right? Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You say, why is that there? That's there because of the blood. That's why. Just like Jesus was raised through the blood or because of the blood, our resurrection is because of the blood. Now, somebody said, well, I don't believe in that rapture stuff. Well, call it whatever you want. When he comes back, we're meeting him. 
You say, I don't believe that. You stay, we're leaving. <laughs> All right. You're going to, if you're a believer, you're part of what the Bible calls the first resurrection. It says this in Revelation 20, verse 5. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. I mean, when Jesus comes back, he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Six times, five verses, Revelation chapter 20, for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Now, the, the, the devil really, really messed up. In fact, it talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 8. It says, none of the rulers of this age knew. Now, it wasn't talking about the high priest, or it wasn't talking about Pilate. It was talking about the devil, Satan and his kingdom. They did not know. because If they would have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had understood God's plan, they would, the devil would have never pushed to have Jesus crucified. You know, the Bible says that Satan entered Judas to betray him. Satan thought he was going to win, but it was through death and the shedding of his blood that Jesus redeemed us and obtained eternal redemption for us. And it's because of the blood that heaven is our home. In fact, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 13 says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? Now, he sees a multitude, by the way. No one could number from every nation, every tribe, every ethnic group, every language. All right? And if, how many of you know, if that's what heaven looks like, a church ought to look the same? All right? We shouldn't have churches that are just one ethnicity. No, 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 no. We need to have everybody together. That's what heaven's like. And I said to him, you know, sir. So he said to me, these are the ones who have come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the lamb's blood. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. The reason that they're in heaven is because they've washed their robes in the lamb's blood. That's why they're there. And the reason that you're going to make heaven is because of the lamb's blood. It's because of Jesus' blood. You know, sometimes what people think is they think, well, I'm just going to be real good, and I'm going to earn my salvation. I'm going to do all these right things. But Romans 3.20 says that no one has ever been made right with God through the works of the law or by being a good person. No one. You see, you are not right with God because of what you do. You're right with God because of what he did. It's because of his blood. And that's the reason that you're, they were before the throne. That's the reason you and I are going to be before the throne. It's because of Jesus' blood. They made their robes white, speaking of righteous, in the Lamb's blood. And it's only through Jesus' blood that we can have peace with God. And it's only through his blood that we end up in heaven. We're saved by what Jesus did for us. We're not saved by what we do for him. That's a religious mentality. I'm saved by what I do. No, you're saved because of what he did. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
Uh, it's a word today that's just kind of considered a religious word, gospel. Right? Uh, it's actually used 74 times in your New Testament. And somebody says it means good news. And, and it does, but it actually means more than good news. It's only used two times that anybody knows about that it's not in the New Testament. The word gospel. In Greek literature, only twice. Right? And it doesn't just mean good news. It means almost too good to be true news. Right? Because that's what the gospel is. It's like almost too good to be true. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. That's our King James Bible. I love, love his translation. It says, the gospel, it reveals God's way. Listen close. I hope they got it up there. It reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. Got that? That, that, that just that makes our religious mind just go. <laughs> the gospel reveals God's way of making men what? As righteous as himself. See, because 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that he that knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And if you're a Christian, that's where you are. You are in Christ. So at the cross, God took all of your unrighteousness and my unrighteousness and put that upon Jesus. And he took Jesus' righteousness, which is God's righteousness, and gave it to you. So the gospel, not what you can do for God, but the gospel is God's way of making men as righteous as himself. Stephen's translation says, the gospel, I say, can save men, for in it is revealed a way in which sinful men may be accepted before God and may stand in his presence approved and forgiven. You know, the gospel is this message that says it's not what you do that makes you right with God. It's what Jesus did. And the gospel is affected because of the blood of Jesus. The blood redeems you. It's the blood that forgives you. It's the blood that cleanses you. It's the blood that sanctifies you. And being forgiven is different than being cleansed. And being cleansed is different than being sanctified. It's all part of the gospel. Now, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So the, through the blood, our sins are washed, but through the blood, he made us to be kings and he made us to be priests to God. Uh, we're going to have to jump into that next week. But uh, we, we aren't finished. I, I got a couple more things, that, three more things we want to do this morning. But to begin with, uh, uh, and I'm not even done preaching, but I did want us to make a confession together. Can you confess this with me? 
God is on my side. For the blood has been applied. Every need is supplied. No good thing will be denied. I enter into rest. I know that I'm blessed. In Christ, I pass the test. For his blood supplies the best. The blood of Jesus purges me from every defilement of the enemy. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, over my mind, over my thoughts, over my past, over my future. I will not be guilty. I'm not condemned. I'm not accused. Devil, you cannot have me. The blood of Jesus cleanses me. The blood of Jesus sanctifies me. And you will not have my children. You'll not have my marriage. You'll not have my body. I win my case. I plead the blood of Jesus. I have peace with God through the blood of his cross. The blood of Jesus purges my conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Through the blood of Jesus, I'm being perfected for every good work to do the will of God. I want you to listen to this. Hebrews 10. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, we're talking about Jesus' blood. He did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. In Luke's gospel, Jesus tells this story. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I think it's really interesting what Jesus said here, that he prayed with himself. In other words, he's saying, like, God didn't even listen to this guy. Right? He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner or unjust or an adulterer or even a tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, that man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and humbled himself will be exalted. So the Pharisee, he said, these are the things I don't do. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not unjust. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not a liar. I don't do those things. And besides that, I fast twice a week. I pray. I give tithes. And he thought that would make him right with God. But listen, it's not the blood of Jesus plus what you can do. And it's not the blood of Jesus plus what you don't do. It's just the blood of Jesus. The tax collector said he beat himself. Now, he's not like doing this to hurt himself in penance, just in sincerity. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Many of you have a translation that says this. God, be propitiated to me, a sinner. And how, how is it 
that propitiation, Jesus becomes a sacrifice for us, it's through his blood. And a few of you will have a translation that says this, God, be a mercy seat to me, a sinner. Be that place where the blood is applied. And Jesus said, that man, not the other, went down to his house justified. He didn't talk about what he had done. He didn't talk about what he hadn't done. All he did was talk about the blood. The blood. There was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person. It's Jesus and his blood. To perfect or make perfect some very imperfect people. How many of you would, with me, qualify and say, I'm the imperfect person? And by that single sacrifice, by his blood, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. So listen, you're not made right with God through faith in Jesus' blood plus what you do or minus what you don't do. It's just faith in his blood. Faith in his blood. The Bible says all. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it is through faith in his blood that we have peace with God, that we're forgiven, that we're cleansed, that we're sanctified. Now, if this message has touched your heart and you've realized, you know, I'm not where I should be with God or I don't know where I stand with God, I'm not right with God, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. Would you bow your head? Make these words your own. Pray this from your heart. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I surrender. I hold nothing back. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. In fact, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have just called on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And if you prayed that from your heart, you are saved, forgiven, and right with God. Now, I want you to keep growing spiritually. And for that to happen, you need to receive good spiritual food. Now, I wrote a book that I want to send to you absolutely free of charge. Right? You can download this book. And it is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. Uh, if you can't download it, you need a hard copy. If you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy absolutely free of charge. Right? It is our way to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. I want you to know we love you, we pray for you, and have a blessed day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you're making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you or download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking By Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. Walking by Faith is used to change lives all around the world, on and off the air. 
We would love for you to partner with us and help make a difference in others' lives by logging on to walkingbyfaith.tv give. If you are in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we would love to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Have a great week, and we'll see you again next time.